Welcome to the St. Matt's 6pm podcast, where you can listen to sermons from our evening service. Thanks, Lockie. Well, good evening, if we haven't met. My name's John, and uh, Emily has already told you that we are starting this series in Advent as we await the coming of our Saviour again. And we want, you to, we want this to be a reminder for all of us that we want to see Jesus as coming as God keeping his promise. And we see that uh, in, in Titus chapter 2 it says this, we want to remind ourselves and others this, that the, for the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people who we know trust in him. And so we'll be looking at these gracious appearings of Jesus, that Jesus is the coming of the fulfilment of these promises. That in Jesus' coming, it is nothing of anyone else's doing except by the gracious and overflowing love of our God. And so tonight we're starting that passage in 2 Samuel. And I wanted to start by talking about this thing called quid pro quo. Everyone say it, ready? Quid pro quo. It, I had to practice it saying lots because I'll say it a few times tonight and I get it mixed up a few times, but that's okay. It means something for something or I give you this and you'll give me what it's worth back. And so it's, when I was in high school, I had this relationship that I had which was a bit like a, a quid pro quo contract with this person and he was actually my teacher. Not a relationship, teacher thing. That was a bit confusing. But what happened was... Uh, he told me one day, he said, John, uh, when you're 16, you can buy my car from me. Now, it was a 1998 MX-5 convertible. And I was like, yes, that's what I want because I'd look cool in a convertible. And I thought, I'm probably not going to have money. So I thought, if I just, you know, like live up, like beyond what I'm living right now and I earn my way, maybe... Maybe I'll be so good in class and he'll love me so much that he would just give me the car. He didn't, but... Uh, you see, that was a quid pro quo relationship that I thought, for some reason, that if I gave him this, that he would give me the MX-5. Uh, maybe for you, you've had you know, a friendship or you know, there's been some kind of quid pro quo... Oh, see, I told you, quid pro quo... Uh, contract with someone that if you give if you give them this that you'll get something back. If I keep my end of the bargain, then I'll get rewarded for that. If I keep my end of the bargain, then I'll be rewarded. I'll benefit from it. You know, if I prove myself to my parents, then maybe they'll give me something. Um, and maybe like me, you've even treated God like that too. That you know, God has given us a promise. And so because of that promise, I, I, need to keep, I need to give so that I will get this reward of some kind. If I go above and beyond, then maybe God will bless me now. That life will be easy. Maybe, like me, you thought that he'll answer your prayers because you read your Bible that morning. That because I bought that guy a meal in the city who didn't have enough money, that maybe for some reason that as I'm walking down the street, I'd get like a free voucher for a food, for a feed at the pub or something like that. That if I do God a good, God will bring status, wealth, 
and glory to me. And maybe you say that you believe that God is the creator, the sustainer, and that he gives generously. But then you might live in a way that you try to do good for him so that you might earn favour from him so that he gives good things back right now and you expect it. Effectively, you're just believing that God is like every other God that the nations have come up with. That it's a quid pro quo contract with our God. This for that. But for God, this isn't how it works. That's not the relationship that we have with God. And I think David starts to slip into that in this passage that we looked at tonight. Uh, that He has this quid pro quo contract with God where he tries to earn God's favour. So, as we look at 2 Samuel, I want us to jump back to the start of chapter 7. So, hopefully you've got your Bibles in front of you. Pick them up. We're going to start kind of looking at a little bit of the context of what we read tonight. You see, God was speaking uh, to King David through the prophet Nathan. And King David, he was the second king of, of Israel, of God's people. And things were pretty sweet for him at this point in time. 2 Samuel 7 verse 1 says this, After the king was settled in his palace... And the Lord had given him rest from all his enemies around him. So essentially, he's sipping lattes with Nathan on the balcony as he looks out at what he's got, right? And he goes, yeah, life's pretty sweet. This is awesome. David thinks, yeah, life is going pretty well. So, what now? What should I do now? Well, verse 2 says this. He said to Nathan the prophet, here I am, living in a house of cedar, this beautiful house, while the ark of God remains in a tent. And the ark of God represented God's presence. It was the very throne of God. And David essentially says here, he says, I want to make a house for God because he'd been in a tent. You know, they put the ark in a tent that had been dragged around in the desert for years. And this was where God's presence was. And Nathan says, great idea, mate. Let's go. Do it. Yeah, go for it. And there, right, I think we go, oh, that sounds reasonable, right? You know, David's got this fancy palace and God has this tent for his ark. But we see God steps in in the very next verse, in in verse 4. He says, but that night the word of the Lord came to Nathan saying, go and tell my servant, this is what the Lord says. Are you the one to build me a house to dwell in? God says, I've never needed a house. I've, I've never asked for a house. I've never rebuked you for not building a house for me. In fact, I don't need anything from you. Let me remind you of who I am. That's what God is saying. Let me remind you of how this relationship works. It's always been me. You know, I took you from the shepherd boy and turned you into a king of a nation. I have been wherever you have gone, David, and have cut off all your enemies. We see that in verse 9. And so God says to David that this has never been about uh, you doing things for me to gain my favour. This is not a quid pro quo thing. The promise that I gave back to Abraham is is not dependent on you. I will keep my promise. It's not a you scratch my back and I'll scratch yours. God reminds David of his place. Even as the king, David is God's servant. 
And so if you look back at the, the verse at the start, uh, in verse 3, we see that he was called king. That's what the writer says, he calls David king. But then when God is speaking through Nathan, he calls David servant. So even the king was a servant to God. And then what happens, uh, so let's jump down to verse 9, we see that God starts to make a bunch of promises to David. The first one is that he'll give David a name, that he will make David's name great, that his name will be uh, like the names of the greatest men on earth. That's what God says. So the first promise that he says is, I'll give you a name. The next one is in verse 10. He says, I'll give my people, so God will give his people a place where you'll be able to rest. Rest from all your enemies. So God says, I'm going to give you a place where you'll be able to dwell in, in safety and in rest. And then the third promise is in verse 11, where, David, uh, where God says, I'm going to build you a house, David. You see, David already had a beautiful house. And so why is God saying that he's going to build David a house? He says, he says David, nah, David, slow down. Don't build me a house. I'm going to build you a house. And so what does he mean? Well, when he's talking about house, he's actually talking about this idea of the household. God is going to build his household. I'm going to do something through you, through a royal dynasty, that your family is going to have this royal family line. Now, if you've just tuned in again, you've dozed off for a little bit, um, you might have heard three things there, right? Three things you might have heard somewhere else in the Bible. Maybe when you were in Sunday school, you might have heard these three promises that were given to someone. Does anyone know? What was that person? Abraham, yeah. That Abraham was given three promises. And you see, God, what he's doing is he's, he's determined to keep his promises. God is determined to do what he's going to do. And we see that in today's passage in Matthew 1. The same promises he made to Abraham, we actually see partially fulfilled in, in David and then in Solomon. You know, that you know, he gets this great name and you know, the temple actually is built by Solomon. But we see that Solomon fails too and that then from then on the kingdom is divided. But David uh, has been given these promises and we see these promises met fully in Jesus. So Matthew chapter 1, what we read from earlier, we see God keeping his promises in Joseph's dream when he tells Joseph that he's going to have a son. And what does he say to name him? He says to name him Jesus, which is the Lord saves. And so these promises that were given even back at the very start with Adam, when Adam and Eve were kicked out of the garden and, and God said to Adam, he said, there will be someone who will come that will kill the snake, that will be the snake crusher. And then to Abraham, he said to Abraham that I will make you into a great nation. I will give you a great name and that through you will come a great blessing. And we see that uh, those promises come to David and then we now see them being fulfilled in Jesus through Joseph. Because, look with me in verse, uh, verse 1 of Matthew, Matthew 1, says this, this is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. So through David's family line, that this Messiah would come. Jesus, the promised king, the descendant of David, 
the son of Abraham, Jesus, the promised king, the descendant of David. You see, God is determined to keep his promise that he would bring rest. And not just a rest from enemies, but a great deep rest. And it was not dependent on us that he would keep his promise. It was, not a, it was a no quid pro quo relationship. And at Christmas, we celebrate the gracious appearing of Jesus, the Messiah, the divine king and promised king that would establish David's kingdom forever, where there will be deep and refreshing rest in him. And at Jesus, we remember uh, this baby that was born, but... He didn't stay like the guy in Talladega Night said. You know, he wasn't, didn't stay an eight pound, six ounce newborn infant Jesus, but he grew up and he lived the life that we could never live. 1 John 4.10 says it like this. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. And then Paul in Acts says this, therefore my friends, he was talking to a group of people in Antioch and he said this, I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Through him, everyone who believes is set free from every sin. Jesus died a criminal's death. He died it for you and for me. He was dead and he was buried and three days later he would rise again back to life, defeating death, taking the punishment for our sin. And he's now seated in heaven, victorious. And that we await his coming again. We are in this advent as we wait for Jesus to return to bring us the deep and refreshing rest. That little glimpse that we saw for David when you know, there wasn't enemies fighting against him, we get even far deeper in Jesus. And how do we receive that? Well, Romans 10, 9, uh, this is the verse that shapes my life uh, when I realised that it wasn't up to me, but it was up to what Jesus had done. Romans 10, 9 says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. If you say that Jesus is your King, your Messiah, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you'll be saved. Jesus is the promised one. Matthew 1, 1 tells us, uh, you know, that through the genealogy that Jesus came from David, from Abraham, that he is from this royal line, that he was the promised one that was to come. God has kept his promise and he will keep his promise. Jesus will return. The rescuer has come and he will come to take us to be with him. This Christmas, as we celebrate the appearing, the gracious appearing of Jesus, the promised king, Look forward to what is to come. So we've seen this gracious appearing that this, this child has been born, that he is uh, the appearing the appearing king, that he has come. But I want us to walk away with two things today. A relationship with Jesus is a no quid pro quo relationship. That he will keep his promise whether you do the, you know, all the amazing stuff and try to earn favour with him or not. He will keep his promise. So, stop trying to earn his favour as if he needed you. Stop trying to earn and make, it, make your way to him 
because he's already won it. The victory has already been won. And he will keep his promise. Jesus will return again. And that leads us to the second one. God will keep his promise. Jesus is coming back. God is faithful. He is working and he is patient. And so, in light of that, as God will keep his promise, for those of you who already love Jesus, God is patient and he's waiting for people to come to know him. So, start reaching out to your friends and and invite them in to the gospel. Confront them with the gospel. Share with them the hope that we have in Jesus. Because God will keep his promise and one day Jesus will return. And so look forward to that when we will have deep and refreshing rest from this world. And isn't that great news? That it's not up to me, it's not up to you, but that God is keeping his promise. Let me pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, we give you thanks uh, for the promise that you kept and that you are keeping. God, you are faithful. And Jesus, uh, as we see in Revelation, we know that you alone are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain, because you died on the cross. And because uh, your blood was shed, you purchased for God everyone who trusts in you from every tribe and language and people and nation. And so, Jesus, we pray... Come, we can't wait till you return. But until then, would you help us to keep taking this good news of Jesus to those who don't yet know you? We thank you that you've given us your spirit to keep growing us and we pray that you'd make us more like your son, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. St. Matt's West Bend Hills 6pm Congregation is a collection of people who want to be changed by Jesus, to have a deeper connection with God, deeper community with one another and deeper concern for our world. We'd love you to join us on a Sunday soon. For all the details, check out our website at stmatts.org.au and be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss a sermon.